By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Hey guys, today's episode is about The Edge of Seventeen, which was a 2016 coming-of-age comedy. Um, well, more of a dramedy, really. It's one of those fabulous, like, lives-in-between genres movies that I am such a sucker for. Um, it's produced by James L. Brooks, which really gives you a sense of uh, the tone, I think. Um, but it is actually written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, um, and this is her directorial debut and um, it stars uh, an assortment of wonderful Haley's. Um, Haley Steinfeld is the lead, and I think she's spectacular. It is, in my opinion, the performance of her career uh, thus far, um, which is she's tricky because she sort of goes up and down, and she you know, started really strong with True Grit, and then when she doesn't have great material, she tends to flounder a little bit, like Pitch Perfect, for example. Um, but in this, she's just really, really perfectly cast, and she gives this, like, fabulous layered ugly performance that's really really something to watch um and then the other Haley is Haley Lou Richardson who I adore completely this is the first movie I ever saw her in um and she's just become very very quickly become my favorite ingenue in or certainly American ingenue in Hollywood um she's just this like beautiful warm sunshine person and I think she's amazing uh she plays the best friend in this um, we shall be ignoring the person who plays the brother. However, Kira Sedgwick plays the mom and she's awesome. Woody Harrelson plays the teacher. It's just a really, a, a fantastically cast film. Really just a great, really personal dramedy, uh, that I think is incredibly sharply written and deeply, deeply human, um, and was my favorite movie of 2016 by quite a large margin. I seem to remember that being a pretty strong year of film. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, let me check who was on this call for you. Um, this was a small one. So this was myself, Kelly Bedard, Nicole Falgu, Matt Yipchuk, and Brie Garcia. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Oh, yeah, it was so good. Minus Blake Jenner. I hate Blake Jenner. Okay, so this was, I was <laughs> going to start off with ground rule. Even though Blake Jenner is excellent in this movie, we're just going to pretend he doesn't exist because okay. he is a wife beating horrible person and just like okay. pass, just pass. Um, and he doesn't get to take this movie away from me um, by being Fair. an asshole and being in it. So 
he we're just gonna ignore him and enjoy all the wonderful work coming from <laughs> female writer creator female star female supporting actor female mm-hmm. playing the mom mm-hmm. and woody harrelson real talk i thought he was the guy who who's cord overstreet or something because they were both in glee <laughs> in my brain and i literally had a picture of them side oh, by wow. side and i was like Am I seeing double? No. What? By all accounts, oh, yeah. Cord Overstreet is like a perfectly fine person. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake they Jenner is the one. Hair. He was in Glee because he won the Glee Project, season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he married Melissa Benoist from Glee, and then she became mm-hmm. Supergirl. Yeah. And then that Yes, we love Melissa. We mm-hmm. love Melissa. Melissa. Yeah, we love Melissa. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the best, but we hate Blake Jenner. Um, mm-hmm. But he's very good in this movie, as is everybody, because guys, Edge of Seventeen, beautiful miracle movie. Yeah, I think I, I sent you a message, but yeah, like I was not anticipating. That. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, like cute, and then like, granted, it hit me in a personal spot when the dad dies. But then I was just like, oh, oh, I'm crying during my lunch break. This is weird. <laughs> I was not anticipating yeah. that. It's a beautiful, profound, re- like, remarkably hard movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a few issues on my rewatch that I didn't anticipate. Like, um, there's just some, it's slows in the middle. And there are a couple, I don't love how at the end, it's only really okay because she meets somebody else. Like, realistically, her the reduced role of her best friend in her life would leave a massive, massive gap. But Mm. in the end here, because she has a new boyfriend, that gap gets filled really easily. No dirty joke there, please. Um, (laughs) But the, like, I just felt, feel like in real life that would have been harder than it was in the movie in the end. Um, But other than that, I I think it ends it starts really strong and ends really strong and it, the pacing lulls a little in the middle. But other than that, it's a beautiful miracle movie and it came out a whole year before Lady Bird and that's important information for history to show. <laughs> like, I thought when... I really like the best friend character and I like that we got to see like their progression and then like when she starts dating him and it's like, okay, I guess like I'm not going to choose between the two of you. You just like... She's just there to be on his arm Mm-hmm. and to like be awkward in scenes and it was like as much as i really love the fact that like the two siblings kind of had twins i think they were twins but either way the siblings had to like reconcile and like kind of realize what that they had kind of been like fighting each other and they should have been kind of like working together but it was like we didn't like i felt like the best friend in her needed like more of a dramatic kind of um bringing up the opposite of a breakup like coming back together because like that was the relationship I really wanted to see kind of like reconciled and like made better not just like can I call you later cool yeah but at the same time it's like is it family or is it like the friend but yeah that was right it's like act one is more about the friendship and then the second third act are more about the family yeah Nicole and I actually really liked that it wasn't this like huge thing that they got their friendship back together because a lot of the time when you're hurt like that uh, or where your pride is hurt like that um, or your perception of somebody changes like that, it's a lot harder to be, to make it go back to the way it was. Um, And I like that it wasn't this super dramatic, are we best friends again moment. It was much more of a dipping your toe in the water type deal. 
And I thought that that made it more realistic and a little more meaningful because that makes it more like they are on their way to something perhaps stronger because she has now accepted her brother for who he is. Yeah. I felt like the movie sort of subverted my expectations for where I thought it was going with the two of them right off the beginning. I thought it would be like the classic teen movie where like the best friend is just there supporting her through whatever the movie was going to throw at her. And then when that kind of broke off within the first third of the movie, that was when it got interesting. Like it was already interesting, but like interesting in a different way to me. And and I never questioned that they would be friends again, not just because I know how movies typically work, but because it was established as like the kind of friendship that's stronger than what was happening, even though she probably couldn't recognize that, just like knowing how friendships usually work. And then when like petty sort of literal high school stuff like that happens, like you could tell that, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't need the big reconciliation scene at the end just because I didn't doubt that they were still going to be an important part of each other's lives. But the thing that I really liked too was that after that sort of took a back seat and then the other guy showed up, Edwin, is his name Edwin? Erwin, Erwin. How he, Erwin, that's the one, Erwin. Um, Even though it was sort of the case of her having that spot filled with like a romantic interest, more so I thought it was cool because it was sort of speaking to, I think also a real life experience where you like cling on to established relationships sort of at the detriment of recognizing other friends and other relationships that are already sort of there that you might take for granted. And even though he did eventually turn into like the romantic interest for her, I thought he was more interesting in that respect. He was just like the fun, like, history class or whatever class they were in, like the fun classmate that she was already friends with, but didn't really have to work towards that relationship. It was just there. And then when she had more time on her hands, she was able to just like embrace that and let it flourish and develop. And I liked that. And it felt like something that's not seen in movies as often as I would like it to be. Yeah. I like, even though, as you mentioned, like at the end scene where like they're together now and it's all good. I thought honestly, just like, her having to actually be in a crowd of people and engage with them and like look interested and like actually react like we hadn't seen her do that the entire movie the only time we saw that was like the party scene which was like the world's worst networking scene and ever and it's like at the same time like was krista at this also not speaking with a lot of people because all her time was taken up by the main character whose name i forgot um but it was just yeah yes um but it was just kind of like interesting to see like, okay, like now you like, now that you're out of your bubble, you, like this is how you have to actually like act like a person and like even, but yeah, it was, I thought that was like, as much as I liked them being together and as much as I thought like it didn't have to immediately become romantic, it was nice to see her like actually have to become, like be brought into another group of friends and like experience that. That's true. That is true. When you get rid of that crutch person, and you have to explore who else there is in your world. That's a very good mm-hmm. point. Um, I also think that part of my, like I latch on to Krista, I think she's part a lot, a large part of why this movie works is that I just think Haley Lou Richardson is just like a perfect angel. Like I'm <laughs> obsessed with her. This was the movie when I like realized who she was for the first time and then everything she's done since. And I love her fiance. I'm like, I love everything about her. Um, and I think that she brings such a like 
lovely warmth to Krista. And I think it would have been really easy to make her kind of like the mean, not mean, but like, I don't know, kind of aloof. Like she ditched her for someone cooler, like, you know, like the best friend character in, um, uh, what's, um, to all the boys I've loved before, uh, where she's kind of like a bit more antagonistic. And that's something that I think this movie does really well is resist, bad guys I talk about this every episode but I like (laughs) when movies don't have bad guys and I think that um how incredibly warm and lovely and smart seeming even though you're right I think it was Brie who said that um in the second act Haley Richardson's character becomes a little bit of just kind of there with the brother um but what how well she establishes who she is and what that relationship is like in act one I think brings a lot to the character and also to the stakes uh, because when you have this like lovely, perfect angel best friend who, when she she's introduced in the voiceover as this like as an angel character kind of person, when you have that, everyone else you meet gets sort of stacked up against them, um, and it raises the stakes of every other interaction because no one's ever really going to live up to this person you have on a pedestal. Um, and I thought that was really good storytelling and perfect casting. So I love Krista. Mm-hmm. How do you have guys you seen feel her in um, yeah. Five Feet Apart? Oh, so <laughs> I have, have. You seen her in Five Feet Apart. That's a that's a very silly movie, but again, I went to see it just <laughs> for Haley Lou Richardson <laughs> because I love her. Um, yeah, it's fine. Have you seen <laughs> Support Support the Girls? Or I think that's what it's called. No, I don't. Remember. I might be getting the title slightly wrong. It's about basically like Hooters waitresses. It's fantastic. She, I don't remember the name of the woman who plays the lead, but she's extraordinary. And Haley Richardson has a supporting role. And I only saw it because a couple of years ago it was on Obama's year end, like movie recommendation list because Obama is low key, the best pop culture recommender out there. He's got like fantastic taste. So I think it was called support the girls. It was really good. It is. Yeah. There you go. Great movie. Okay. <laughs> Highly recommend doing the whole Haley Lou canon and then doing the <laughs> Brett Dyer's canon. Uh, he's Haley Lou's fella. Uh, awesome people. <laughs> Love them all. How do you guys Fun feel fact, about... She proposed to him. Yep. Aww. Oh, Yeah, she did because she's the coolest. Mm, um, I love it. How do you people feel about Woody Harrelson in this movie? Oh, I love Woody Harrelson in every I movie. I him. I mean, yes. <laughs> but like, okay, so specifically... I think that sort of English care, English, I think he's an English teacher, maybe he's history, no, he's history teacher, but like mm-hmm. the teacher who you have the banter with and she's obviously his favorite and like all that kind of cutesy. How do we feel about that as a trope? It's kind of fantastical, I think, because like, what about, wouldn't that, that have been fun? But no. Um, I, oh, go ahead, Brie. Oh, I was just going to say like, I really liked it. The only time I was a little like, eh, was when he like brought her to his house as opposed to like driving her immediately home like because I've had teachers where it's like I've been that student where like I still stay in contact and like I've like now that I've been to their house when I like after I've graduated but it's like I would not have been invited over I would have not been brought over even in like a dramatic circumstance to their home but that was the only point where I was like oh that's a little where we kind of step into the fantastical where he's becoming like uh, a straight mentor figure but like besides that I really liked it yeah that was kind of an excuse to like teach us that she was wrong about him the whole time yeah. but you're right like 
that would be a liability issue. You can't do that. But I liked having Andy from Dawson's Creek in there somehow, so I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I think is interesting is that it's not just a strictly, you know, teacher favorite student thing. It's Woody Harrelson as the teacher. Um, <laughs> so Woody Harrelson playing himself if he were a teacher, mm-hmm. um, which I really like. I, it's the best way I can put that is because. <laughs> He, he's, you know, curmudgeonly, even as her favorite teacher, him, you know, mentoring his favorite student. And I really, really loved when he introduced her to Greer and was like, this is my person. Like, <laughs> stop trying to set me up with your mom in like the least confrontational way he could possibly have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that it's not a total marriage to the trope it's you know it's got these cute little divergences that make it work even better yeah i also think the writing around his character is some of the best writing in the movie um especially that opening scene is like gangbusters and then i just think i just think he's a delight um and even the scene it's not necessarily his writing but the scene with greer um the way that like I like that he the whole movie holds back he doesn't say well actually you've got it wrong he just like swallows it swallows it swallows it until that scene and then we we get so little of Greer but what like we know exactly who she is from the like one or two lines that Meredith Monroe has in the movie um I think that they establish that relationship really beautifully and um yeah I just think he's a it's it's an an odd trope because it is sort of like the like BFF trope, which this movie does beautifully and then deconstructs beautifully, I think is um, one of those things that exists mostly in movies. Um, this idea of like the the teacher who has a particular interest in this one interesting kid, um, when in reality, like, you know, you're one of the whole, like there's a ton of people in that class. Just like most most best friendships are not like ride or die, book smart style, one true love people everybody just has friends and i think this movie's sort of ultimate conclusion that you can't just have that one person because that's going to be temporary by definition um especially it gets harder the older you get to hold on to those people and you will be left behind um the deconstruction of those two you're the only person in the world tropes i think is uh, really interesting absolutely mm-hmm. i like it i like how most of the movie is the deconstruction of the tropes mm-hmm. um you know, it's it, with the with the one exception, I guess, being that she ends up with the quote unquote yes. nice guy. Yep. Um, and that she finds her relationship with the nice guy because she had her bad experience, usually related to sex with the bad guy, um, or the wrong guy. I guess is the better word for it, but. Oh boy! Like, and that's, and I think even that was what uh, what got me about Woody Harrelson's character, um, Max, is that um, he he only pulls punches with the nice stuff, the things like his wife. He, he doesn't come out and say like, "Hey, I got a wife." He doesn't correct her, uh, but he he doesn't pull punches when he's talking about her thing with. What's his face? When she I sends the message? Yeah. yeah. I have I have forgotten his name because I fundamentally 
hate that character. You know, I think one of the things the movie does interestingly is that is that character um, because he technically like he is the quote unquote bad guy. You're right when you corrected yourself to say the wrong guy because he's right. he's not really doing anything wrong like i watched it very closely this time because i remembered it as being kind of a salty and then i watched it again and he stops the second she says stop and like all that kind of stuff and it's just a matter of mixed signals and like he's not a very kind person um but he's not a villain and it's sort of an interesting he's an antagonist but and so i i think that the way that they held back from making him just a straight up asshole, I think is a credit to the movie. Though I will say, yeah, the like overlooked nice guy trope is a little tired. Um, yeah. But how Irwin was so cute. I could, I just, I can't begrudge them at the end. Like how cute. And he was rich. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, and he had the abs and whatever, oh, yeah, right? But house. like, but he was mostly, oh, he house. was <laughs> another one who was really well written. He was really fun, really sharp and so cute. And he, he's a, movie animating guy and he's so sweet and i love erwin but so it this is movie a was bit. way too good for a, a high school student <laughs> to produce by himself I mean, that was one thing sure. that was like the most unrealistic thing for me mm-hmm. i guess the amount of the amount of work and time <laughs> that that would have taken on top of a full high school course load no way. Would you have preferred one of those, like, usually when there's a filmmaker in a movie, when we get to see their movie, it's just like a montage of what's already happened in the in the movie we've been watching set to music, like Mark's movie at the end of Rent. Oh, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's everything, everything's always just like a nonsensical emotional montage. I'd rather an unrealistically good movie than a movie that, like, True. gets a big standing ovation at the end, but we watched it and went, I don't know. <laughs> um, to quickly go back to oh, the yeah. wrong I love guy, I just, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say the fact he had a line where he was like, "Oh, I knew." Like I had talked to my friends about this, and I, I knew I should have listened to him. And I was just like, the fact that you like asked your friends for advice on this, I was like, okay, like you're not a nice person, but like you're not a complete asshole either, right. which was weirdly yeah. conflicting. But yeah. I mean. I also, because, like, she did send it, I mean, you know, it's tricky, but, like, she sent him a very explicit message, Yeah, and then, I don't know, she's, and, like, didn't correct herself or be like, actually, I really want this. She was just like, let's hang out, which. Yeah, like, it is, and I think the discomfort that I feel talking about it and being like, well, I mean, she did literally, but I think that's baked in, and I think the discomfort factor and, like, Sort of like something that was brought up a lot when we were talking about my best friend's wedding is this idea of like the unlikable protagonist. And while watching this movie, I literally had the thought, if you guys don't like this movie, I'm going to end up having to like stop scheduling flawed female protagonists because this is like the point of the movie is that she's incredibly aggravating and incredibly self-centered. She says some stuff that is just off the charts, awful. Awful. I love the exchange with Erwin on the Ferris wheel when she's like guessing what his parents are like and then immediately goes, I'm hoping none of that was racist, but I now realize almost all of it was probably racist. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, it's the, the like uncomfortable, bad, like, ugh-ness of her character is so illustrative and like almost painfully relatable as someone who like I'm the mean person in my family I'm like make all the jokes that you shouldn't make and say the wrong thing and you know 
it, it, I get it. it. It's, and, and it's very much what teenagers are like. They're just monsters. I li- like, she's much more relatable than Krista, who I love, but come on. <laughs> but I mean, to go along with that, Brie, um, which I, I wholeheartedly agree with, is that you kind of have that blurring because she is so explicit about it. And to go along with something Kelly pointed out earlier, which is he stops the, the second she says stop. Mm-hmm. Like the second he hears it, he stops. But even then, he doesn't do the other asshole thing. Uh, which would have been making her feel bad about it. Yeah. He's not guilt tripping her. He's not saying anything. He's just sitting there like calming himself down because reasons. Um, so but also just being very confused. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I mean, he's highly confused because I'm sorry, if you send a text message like that to anybody, they're going to go, Oh, Oh, we're having one of these. Meetings. <laughs> You know, like you don't think that you're just hanging out and taking a walk. That reminds me, though, of one line I really don't like is when she. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, it might actually say what you were going to say because it might be, I might have been on the road to saying the opposite of what you're about to say about a line that I liked that comes in that scene. Oh no, I wasn't talking about that scene. I was saying that the line that I don't like in the movie, one of the only ones that makes me go, is um, when she's at Irwin's house and she does the like, did you think I was joke? I was serious, which that I buy where she like has a little moment of bravery and then she totally retracts it. Like that makes sense to me. Um, It's when he then says, you can't say stuff like that to a guy that I hated. I, and that didn't feel like something Irwin would say. And I didn't like that at all. Anyway, what were you going to say about uh, the I scene thought we were actually talking like, about? Oh. oh, the scene we were talking about. Um, I I liked how right after the, like, no stop, he's like, okay, moment, there's that awkward silence. Then she makes, like, the backhand remark about his car. And he's like, are you serious? You're, <laughs> like, you're going to make fun of my car? And, like, that whole scene, I think, is just so brilliant because you go into it expecting it to be, like, the classic teen movie car assault scene. And then it's not but it's still really uncomfortable and then the power is just constantly shifting between both of them how like right after that rejection then it's just like a second punch to the gut where it's like oh and your car's a piece of crap he's like what like you asked me here and now you're insulting my car and like he is kind of a dick but then at the same time she's not being great to him either like they're just two equally flawed people that are just butting heads and i think that's so brilliant done by the movie so good job movie i completely agree i'm also uh, so the someone who would make fun of his car just to make myself feel more (laughs) like if i'm feeling insecure i'd like make a little jab about the Mm. car to try and like get my feet back on the ground which is an (laughs) asshole thing to do i acknowledge (laughs) it was that whole everything was so relatable about all of her monstrosities (laughs) it makes sense though because when you think about it uh what is the one thing that people usually bring up for like souped up pickup trucks that are just entirely <laughs> too large is that people are overcompensating for something. So when you see how often people refer to cars, as kind of a metaphor for masculinity. It kind of makes sense that she would immediately jump to talking about the car and make it this offhanded um, insult when she's just turned him down for sex, it's just kind of like, okay, I guess the punches are just going to keep rolling with specifically this dude's masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. RIP Nick. <laughs> uh, yeah. To all of those sick burns. 
Um, the <laughs> brother character was so weirdly refreshed. Like, I hated him to start out with because I, too, have an older brother who is an asshole. Um, but, like, it was, <laughs> it was so weirdly refreshing because it was also, also weird to, like, I related to both of them. Um, the snarky, like, rudeness of Nadine, but also, like, the weird part where, like, oh, like, I have to, like, be in charge of this family and, like, keep an eye on things. And I was like, oh, my God, I was not, and like, you kind of got that's where it was going the entire movie. But then, like, when he blatantly says it, I was like, oh, no, I love this character. I don't want to because he's the older brother character. But it was just, like, also kind of refreshing to be like, yeah, he has his own problems and he's handling them by trying to be as best as he could but also like the mom's a whole other topic but yeah I just really <laughs> appreciated the the brother character and like what they kind of did with it and like even though earlier I was like I kind of wish I had seen the friendship reconciliation I really did appreciate like the fact that the siblings were like okay we're in mm-hmm. this together it's cool yeah and the two sides of the whole movie you're seeing it from her perspective and you're like oh the mom is obsessed with the brother that's so annoying and like my mom's favorite person in the world is my brother and so it's very irritating um but then when you flip it the the pressure that that creates on that person and you see it from his perspective for the first time and they do a really good job of like that's there the whole time if you're able to perceive it but because you're so enveloped in her perspective you just let it go past you and then it's not until he just flat out tells her that you're like, oh, wait, yeah, no, you're also a human. I forgot. Sorry. Uh, Matt, what were you going to say? Um, oh, I was going to say, but then I thought of something better to say. But I was initially <laughs> going to say that uh, just overall observation that the movie, I think, benefits from like the Paul Rudd syndrome where on paper all these characters are like not great but it's just cast so perfectly that i don't even really clock that till i'm reviewing things in my brain like specifically the teacher interaction like it just felt like the most natural thing in the world because it's woody harrelson who seems to have fallen into this like archetype of his own where he's just like the really tough yet non-threatening mentor to like young female protagonists i mostly just think of hundred games, games. And this, <laughs> but yeah and so yeah there's that but then also just since the mom came up like what was with her constantly or not constantly but implied constantly only referring to the dead dad as my husband as opposed to your father like is that just a weird character thing like i was addressed in the one scene when she mentioned it i don't know if it happened beforehand but I, like that's just that felt really off and really weird to me as like a thing that anyone would do in a seemingly functional family that lost the dad. That made sense. That made sense to me. Well, sure. And it Mm -hmm. also, I mean, part of the uh, main character's self-obsession is just, she's a teenager and that's like a very realistic portrait of what they're like. But part of it is also learned behavior, right? And her, her mom is so consumed with her own feelings and, that that happens all the time like the most selfish people in the world tend to be people who just like feel really strongly so they can't imagine somebody else having feelings that are at all as big as their own and so like her grief matters so much more than her kids grief because she can't imagine that it could possibly equal her own so that made sense to me as a character thing that mom was so frustrating but i also felt like you know, like the main character where she was frustrating, but she made sense to me. She didn't feel like she was too much of a cartoon. And I also fully believe that she would marry, like 
her with the dad, who again is another character who is established so well with very little screen time. Like the idea of a couple that is matched beautifully and they balance each other well. And then to take out the stabilizing force and leave all the the sort of like frenzy personalities left is uh, an interesting, I don't know. I bought the mom, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just like a selfishness thing. I definitely get that. I definitely see um, a lot of my dad in it um, because it's, it's an interesting dynamic to see um, a parent who doesn't have a partner um, kind of gravitate toward one of their kids to like fill the role, so to speak. So you see it a lot with the mom and Darian in this one. Like I'm basically my dad's sounding board. He, if he has any issues, he doesn't talk to one of his age appropriate friends. He talks to me about it and it, it becomes like, I'm I'm the confidant whether I like it or not so I felt that very very deeply when he was bringing up so why do you always call me and why um, you know what Bree said mattered so much to me is because I see it and I see why that is and fundamentally it is kind of about that selfishness there Um, and I think that part of the fact that she keeps bringing up um, my husband my husband my husband my husband is because uh, Nadine is not the the kid that fills in any part of the role, so mm-hmm. it's she's being taken out of the equation. She's being further distanced from the what the mother perceives as the functional side of the family. Um, so it's also a distancing tactic, as well as a selfish kind of thing. I'm super eloquent. You <laughs> yes, you are. I agree. My use of the word thing to describe things that I can't actually put into real people words right now. Honestly, when the brother was like, I look at colleges nearby because I know like someone has to, I was like, oh no. And it hit way too close to home. But like, yeah. I went Mm -hmm. far. I tried to go far. I was like, hey, six hours just on the cusp of too close. I crossed a border. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, should have gone farther. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think this, you know, you can pick it apart and there's certainly things about it that don't quite work. But I, I remember seeing this in theaters and having no real expectations. And it just blew me away. I just think it's a delight of a movie. I love a movie that is both really entertaining and really thoughtful and emotional Um, I think it hits that balance really well and oftentimes you have to choose whether it's going to be like a you know a deep movie or a fun movie and I like any movie that can be both um, because I think it's it's more it's more reflective of what life is like to be both Um, it's just a wonderful and it makes sense to me that it's produced by James L. Brooks that makes sense Mm. um I also think I, I know way too many people who think of Haley Steinfeld as the pitch perfect girl and she's really, really bad in the pitch perfect movies. And it makes me really sad because I think she's amazing in this movie. And I think she's someone who, if you give her the right material and the right director is fantastic, 
Yeah. She's also amazing in True Grit. Yeah, I, was um, I think of her as a yeah, True, true grit, grit, though. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was certainly her breakout. And then there were so many people who just didn't see her until Pitch Perfect. Then they made up their mind because she she was bad in Pitch Perfect. Then she also had that weird like semi-music career that just was auto-tuny and terrible. <laughs> and then people decided they hated her so they wouldn't see things like Edge of Seventeen um, that were clearly like vehicles for specifically her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's incredible. I think the ugliness of this performance is very remarkable. Um, she really goes for it. I think she puts a lot of nuance into it. Um, her timing's fantastic. I just think she's awesome. Everyone's awesome in this movie, but I think that central performance is particularly a difficult thing, a difficult um, needle to thread. And I think she does a really great job. Oh, she never favorite. loses us, even though she's atrocious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, going back to something like way, way ago, but Woody Harrelson character, it was weirdly refreshing to see a teacher who wasn't both an asshole but also a mentor. Like I, well, I only yeah. say that because like I had teachers that were assholes, and then I remember I did have a teacher that was an asshole. Slash, like I still go back to her with information, like to ask her questions to this day. And it's like sometimes you do need that person who's not like just very sweet with you, and it's just like, no, you're fucking stupid. And it's like, oh, and like especially when you're in high school where you think like you know everything and you've like understood everything to have someone to be completely straight with you. And so like just seeing his character be like that was like so refreshing. Like that opening scene, I was like, okay, Kelly Dunn picked a good movie for this week. <laughs> I love this movie. We're we're sort of entering the the first phase of Corona Movie Club was a lot of <laughs> movies I've seen before, and then we're starting to enter like my to do list of movies I somehow have never seen. So I cannot vouch for anything that's coming up. <laughs> well, my uh, my start to today was I saw one of the films that was on our list coming up. Um, because my better half was like, "Hey, let's watch a movie. Do you want to be?" do you want to watch this one? I said, Oh yeah, sure. Let's watch it. It's on the list. And I'm the one who may or may not have told Kelly, we can't watch this. So the, my, the Ben Affleck one, right? Yes. So my, Which one? Uh, uh, the last thing he wanted. Oh, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you won't, uh, <laughs> it was taken off the list. Um, but it was, it was nice for me having seen one that I, thought was problematic enough that I like texted Kelly and was like I don't know about this one slash how you're gonna handle it um for my my response that I received from Kelly was it's fine we've got a good one for Monday you'll you your slate will be wiped clean you'll feel okay again like all will be well in the world you'll come back to zen and she was not wrong so thank you kelly for choosing this one and bringing me out of the pit of despair that i was in i'm so glad i'm so glad i could help um well that's that's the trick i am trying to balance like that movie i put on the list because um for the site purposes i try and watch as many new release films per year as possible and so um, that movie is just a Netflix original that came out in 2020. And so I just was going to watch it so that my year-end rankings and my year-end awards would feel more complete, having seen as many movies as possible. Um, and so I was just going to like combine forces. And there's a couple other ones on the, on the list that are like 2020 releases that are on the list for that reason. Then there are some like, like I've never seen Pulp Fiction, so we're going to watch Pulp Fiction because I need to have seen Pulp Fiction. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
I know. Yeah, I also graduated I've, film school having never seen Citizen Kane. I don't know. Oh, not Citizen yeah. Kane. <laughs> oh, yeah. Citizen Kane was the first thing they made us watch at York. We had to write a comparative essay between that and Pretty Woman. <clears throat> nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Love Pretty also, Woman. <laughs> I hurt now. Like, physically, in this area, hurt hearing that. Hey, Nicole, audio format. <laughs> She's pointing to her heart, everybody. I'm pointing to my heart, everybody. All right, earlier for Citizen Kane, I cheered because I too have not seen that, and I also graduated film school. I just, I just managed to like it's. I there's so many movies that I haven't seen, um, because for now, in all fairness, my degree is technically film and television, and I took mostly television because I just prefer the medium. So I've seen everything. Um, you can't see everything, but I've seen like so much more television. Oh, I've and I took like history of the American sitcom, where they didn't take as much Ooh. film history because I didn't want to have to. It just felt boring, and I was tired, and I didn't want to. Um, a good choice. Yeah. So then I I watch a lot of new releases for the site, and so if I didn't see it when it came out, I'm probably never going to see it unless I have something like Corona Movie Club to force myself to see it. But then every once in a while, these are hard times, and you just need to like program in. Like we've got you've got mail coming up. When when like, is you've got mail? I don't remember. It's in the. It's on my master list, and then it's I program the, the master list one, into. Right? But it's just. No, it's, it's 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 not on the updated one. It's it not on the. Better. It's not coming up in the next month, but it'll be eventually. It's on my. I basically what I did was I got everybody's suggestions, checked that they were all on Netflix, put them into sort of a master list, and then I'm American throwing Netflix those things or Canadian onto Netflix. I can only check Canadian <laughs> Netflix. Americans can figure it out for themselves. I don't. I don't have a me. Just figure yourselves out, oh. America. I don't know. So excited for you've we got can. mail. We can. <laughs> well, I you know I love you've got mail, um, but Everyone that's the sort of it. movie that like every best friend's wedding. I specifically programmed into a week that I knew I wasn't going to be having the greatest week, just because like you need movies that you know are good that are also ha- happy movies. Um, because it's not just for like serious film thought. It's also like, let's just, it's nice to talk about movies and it's nice to watch mm-hmm. good movies. And so let's ha- enjoy ourselves a little bit. Well, that's one so. of my favorite conversations came because of best friend's wedding because <gasps> yeah, I mean, it's not the one that you'd sit there and go, I'm going to parse about why they made these decisions and you know what the lighting was like in this part. It's, it's just fun. So yeah. you talk about it because mm-hmm. it uplifts you. Yeah, I've generally been finding that the ones that aren't like things people would write essays about tend to be the better ones. But I'm also the person who would write an essay about my best friend's wedding. That is accurate. Yeah, so that's and just how I roll. Matt and I are the the type of people who would write about the Lion King. So I mean, yeah. and Shakespeare. And Shakespeare. Well, this is this is the trick, right? Like everybody here has like some sort of theatrical background right and I always say I watch a lot of the bachelorette and I can get away with that because I also really know my King Lear really well and so well you said. have to have both yeah yeah that explains a lot because <laughs> what I do when I get off of these calls is I wait until 9 p.m when Roswell New Mexico comes on oh is that good nice. that has the girl from so you think you can dance on it it does and I love Janine Mason just in general uh, because of So You Think You Can Dance, which thank you, Kelly, because of course you're the one who got me into it. Um, oh, am I? <laughs> oh, yeah. With this dance, with the with the dance with Janine and Jason. Oh, to, yes. the Jason Mraz song? Yes, the Jason Mraz song. Yep. Um, so then I became obsessed with Roswell, New Mexico because Janine Mason, and now I'm just obsessed with Roswell, New Mexico. 
okay. which is not as campy as OG Roswell and definitely has like undercurrents of what's going on in mm. America. Okay. Tonight I will be watching All Rise on CBS, which is my Ooh. favorite show on network TV. <laughs> I can't watch anything that involves a courtroom. Yeah, but it's about a newly appointed judge and her best friend who's a prosecutor. So good. <laughs> can't do it. Have tried. Uh, Wait, so what are you going to do life. when I make you all watch A Few Good Men? Oh, I love A Few Good Men. <laughs> I'm fine Maybe we'll just do a courtroom days. series just for Nicole. Just Ooh. do A Few Good Men and Legally, <gasps> Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. <laughs> I'm okay with Legally Blonde because I have accepted at my core that it's just not going to be realistic. Um, oh, you're just being fussy. I'm very fussy. I I'm hate very, that, very Nicole. You know what? I learned my lesson because remember, were you with us when Anonymous came out and we all like collectively went to see Anonymous so that we could pick it apart and make fun of how inaccurate it was? The no. like fake Shakespeare movie. And then, and I, we had like so much fun with that. We were like, that's not Shakespeare. And then um, when uh, Whiplash came out and my stupid jazz friends ruined it for me, um, I then re reflected on my treatment of Anonymous and have decided that I was in the wrong and movies can be as inaccurate as they want as long as they're telling a good story. And I'm shut up, jazz people. You're all annoying. I mean, I've watched, I watched Allie exactly. McBeal because my mom loves Allie McBeal. So I basically was just like, all right, Allie McBeal is just funny, but I'm going to pretend it's a show about a lawyer. I'm, I'm going to forget that it's a show about a lawyer. I have to like, I mean, sure. Whereas for the, the most part, is, people's professions on TV shows are just like metaphors for their lives. So it doesn't oh, yeah. really matter. Yeah. Like I've been... I know I've been warned not to watch Younger just because everyone in publishing just starts like boiling at the eyes because yeah. everyone's like, that's not how books are done. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry, it, Hilary Duff. It would be very that. frustrating for you, but it is hella fun. <laughs> that show is just like pure sunshine pumped into your veins. It's beautiful. <laughs> Noted. So this episode, we chatted quite a bit after, uh, well, it's not so much that the recording ended. We just kind of like eased off of the topic of the edge of 17. Um, we bring, come back to it a little bit later, basically to just reach the conclusion that we all loved it and it was awesome. Um, but I'm going to cut it off here because, um, I've already included quite a bit of extra content and you don't need to hear us rattling on about TV for another 45 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, um, and tune in for the next one. Bye guys.